Kia ora, Koto. Welcome to Queensland Live Podcast on a, I think it's Wednesday, who knows, could be whatever day you want. Um, I'm very excited to be here with Kyla Colvin, who scares me slightly, I'll put that out there, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, Co-founder of Ministry um, of Awesome, founder and CEO of Bowman New Zealand, um, Dare to Lead facilitator, TEDx Scott based organizer and TEDx Christchurch curator, um, and stepmom to a 12, a 10 and a six year old. Do you ever lie on the floor and think about all that? Welcome. <laughs> Hi, May. Good, uh, good to see you, Jane. Thanks for having me on. Great to see you. I said to um, our amazing friend, Katarina, the other night, who I interviewed, um, and I said, you know, Kyla's one of those women who I absolutely love. And I don't know really, really well, but she slightly scares me. And she went, what the fuck? Just like that. Did she? I have been told before. It's, I, I mean, it's not something that I pride myself on in any way. Um, but I know I have that potential. Um, you know, I definitely have, uh, have always run the risk of kind of being um, impatient and being a little bit like, you know, out of my way. And, and, uh, and so I know that has had the potential in the past to scare people, which is, which is never my intention. But do you know how she described you? She described you as delightful. And I really oh. like that as a person. So oh, awesome. there you go. Awesome. I love it. That's the flip so, side. Um, <laughs> you, we're in, we're in level who knows level up, level down, not even sure. Um, how was, um, how are you? How's the mind? I gotta, I gotta say, I, uh, I I'm doing pretty well. Um, I've been in an exceptionally fortunate position. Um, you know, really early on in the piece, I saw a tweet come out that said, you know, sure, working from home is easy if you own your own home and have somewhat grown standardly abled kids who are largely capable of looking after themselves and a loving, non-abusive partner who is willing to help out around the house. And it was this kind of list of privileges that I enjoy and just a reminder to be so grateful for the, the situation in which we find ourselves because all of those things are, are true for me. Um, with the added benefit of number one, um, we live in, in South Shore in, uh, in Christchurch right by the beach. And so we've had ready access to nature at all times throughout the entire lockdown. Um, and of course, just the benefit of living in this country that has responded to the pandemic so effectively and so clearly and decisively and demonstrating such phenomenal leadership. Um, and so I, I feel I feel pretty good, and I'm counting my blessings every day. I hear you, which we'll talk about being re slightly removed from the country we were born in uh, later. But um, mm -hmm. how um, how has it been with those three? Did you uh, how did you juggle like work and and explaining to them what was going on? And did you see anything flare up for them during that conversation? Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, like I I feel like I won the stepmom lotto. I became a stepmother five and a half years ago and uh, it's three boys and I just, I'm, they're such great kids. They're such great kids and both their father and their mother have both really welcomed me into their lives. So I've played a really active role in, in terms of being a stepmother to them. Um, and so, so they're, they're awesome. And we've always had really open conversations about everything that's going on. We've never shied away from topics that have been kind of adult topics. We've never tried to shield them from stuff. Um, and so as a result, they're pretty calm kids. When things happen, we can just discuss them and, you know, uh, and, and address them. And they, they tend to kind of take things in stride. Um, you know, they certainly, I don't, I don't think they're worried about, uh, uh, about, 
getting it or getting sick or anyone they know or love getting sick. We had a funny moment the other day. We were we were um, sitting down for dinner and, and talking about um, coronavirus. And, and I said, you know, this is definitely the biggest thing that's ever happened in my lifetime. And the 10 year old said, yeah, I think it's the biggest thing that's ever happened in my lifetime too. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> clearly need to work on your maths a little bit, but awesome. Um, I so love that. Yeah. I totally love it. My uh, <laughs> my friend who's a scientist who was on here the other day was saying about, she's got a two and a half year old who has created this image of what COVID looks like, this big white Yeti. So whenever she goes to the supermarket, she says, is the, is the COVID going to be there at the supermarket? And she's like, it might be, but you know, we've not had any new cases, but in the world, but she has got this image that it's this big white fluffy monster. Yeah. Like, okay. And she's looking. probably looking around for it, <laughs> right? Like, cause she'll be like, okay, well, if it's there, I must be able to see it. Where is it? Where's it yeah. going? Yeah. So you talk a lot about, um, through Dare to Lead, you talk a lot about vulnerability. And my, my question that I'd written down was, how can we push past the, the actual power of being vulnerable when we're in a really vulnerable situation does that make sense like we are vulnerable how can we be even more vulnerable when we lots of us actually are at the minute yeah yeah so it's a it's a super important question so basically what i'm what i'm hearing from that is like let's be clear these are super hard times and you know some people might be doing it harder than others but these are hard times for everyone in terms of our um, emotional resilience, our leadership ability, our, you know, how do we look after ourselves? How do we stay focused? How do we show up for other people in our lives? And they're also particularly hard because typically, you know, we go through these things at different times. Each person, you know, like maybe, maybe I'm having a hard time, but my partner's doing well today or vice versa. And so we can kind of lean on each other, but we're globally all going through this super hard time together. And so we're all feeling super vulnerable and how do we lead on each other when we all also need each other so that we can be, you know, lean anyway. So, um, so basically my take it, you know, the first step for me is to just acknowledge that, like, yeah. let's just, let's just, let's just acknowledge the fact that this is shit <laughs> and it is globally shit <laughs> and, um, and it's not going to be easy for any of us to work through and that the, um, you know, there's this 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 uh, thing that I keep coming back to in terms of of navigating a crisis, which is the Stockdale paradox, which comes from Admiral Jim Stockdale, who was yeah. uh, a prisoner of war in Vietnam, who talks about the need to hold fast to the faith that we will prevail, but also to be unafraid to confront the brutal facts of our current reality, and um, and so be, being able to sit with both of those things, being able to sit with the fact that this is really shit and that that is as a result that's going to mean we're going to struggle individually we're going to feel super vulnerable individually and being willing to kind of sit with that and do what we need to do to nurture ourselves so that we can be in a position to uh to, to support others yeah totally absolutely and and that kind of reminds me i've been reading a lot about that actually and i i am akin to the whole i don't know if you've heard of acceptance and commitment therapy that whole thing about it's a it's a kind of called kind of the third wave of therapy post cognitive that says will you are you willing to sit in the shit are you willing to hold it and are you willing to look at it and know that it's not like we're in constant flux of how we feel, but are you actually willing to say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to try it rather than get rid of it, put something in front of it. Um, and it's a really beautiful way of saying it, just be really gentle with it 
and just to, uh, but allow yourself to just sit with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, w- w- when we talk about it with the dare to lead program is the, the fact that our, our single best, our single most accurate measure of courage is our willingness to lean into vulnerability. And when we talk about leaning into vulnerability, right. Or rumbling with vulnerability, like I, I think globally, we're all feeling vulnerable right now. The thing that stops us from being courageous is not that we are afraid or not that we feel vulnerable. It's how we respond to it, whether we can look it in the eye and go and go, wow, this is what's happening. I'm really feeling vulnerable right now. Or whether we try to armor up in response and try to protect ourselves and pretend like we're being tough and pretend like it doesn't matter and, and you know, attack somebody else or lash out or, you know, bluster or do whatever. Yeah. Um, that's really the difference between yeah. whether we show up as courageous leaders or not. And I talked to somebody, I can't remember it was, been, there's been a few people, but um, we talked about how the countries that are trying to bully COVID into disappearing, it's like, it's never going to happen. Oh, and it was Naomi Klein, actually, the talk with Naomi Klein. She's like, we, we can't bully this away. We, w- at what point do we, and we know the countries that have gone, we can't do that. So let's work with what we've got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's funny because, you know, when, um, when we went into, you'll recall when the whole alert system got announced in New Zealand, um, there was the Saturday uh, uh, address to the nation um, that the prime minister gave talking, introducing the alert system and saying that we were at level two. And then two days later, the press conference where we said uh, we were going to level three and then level four within 48 hours. And I remember that Monday press conference where they announced level three to level four and, uh, and Jacinda Ardern basically laying out the brutal facts and going, if we don't take action, tens of thousands of Kiwis will die and I'm not prepared to let that happen. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to level three, we're going to level four. And she finished laying it all out. And the first question she got from, the, from a journalist was, are you scared? And she said, no, because we have a plan. And I went, awesome. This is like, that is literally the Stockdale paradox in action is like that being unafraid to look at all of the scariness of like, actually, what are we dealing with here? Let's, yeah. let's see it for what it is so that we can be in a position to respond and be in a position to actually prevail against what's really happening. Not, you know, yeah. bully, <laughs> bully something that you know, it's going to go. No we impact. just wish it away. So yeah. being a New Yorker born and bred, um, yeah. and I'm a, I'm a UK person born and bred. I, I had a bit of a thought the other day when I was kind of saying to my parents, who I don't know when I'll see, um, you know, all right, yay, look at me, I'm here and it's all awesome and way. And then I took a step back. I read something somebody said, you know, remember that the people who live there are hurting and the people who live there don't want to be there um, or, you know, they want things to change and they can't. Um, and, I, and I felt such a shift in my brain about how I now have conversations with people who live there and what memes I put out about how amazing we're doing. Um, how, how, are you, how are you watching that stuff with horror i mean there there's kind of no other way to describe it um i spent uh, about two weeks before we closed the borders trying to convince my sister and her family to just come to new zealand um with no plan i was like just pick just just throw some clothes in a suitcase and get on an airplane um and uh and i think really what we're seeing uh, we ran a, an amazing session this morning uh, on Aotearoa's Innovation Edge with uh, BOMA New Zealand and Ministry of Awesome. And with this big conversation about uh, Dave Moskowitz was sharing that the core uh, value of uh, New Zealanders, when they, they study it, the, core, the common core value of New Zealanders is, is giving, is, is a fair go, is, is having you know, fairness, yeah. and that the core value of Americans is freedom. 
And really, I think what we're seeing is um, just uh, heartbreaking evidence of the fact that we cannot succeed as individuals, um, that, that that is a flawed concept, that the only way we succeed is together. And we're seeing the, the pointy end of this in terms of COVID, that it doesn't matter if you've got good health care. If everybody doesn't have health care, the whole country ends up suffering. It doesn't matter if you are individually successful. You know, the research shows that um, when they compare countries with higher inequality indexes to lower inequality indexes, rich people do worse in less equal countries than rich people do in more equal countries. So, so your individual situation is worse off if we're not looking after everybody. Yeah. And so yep. it's the only thing I can say when I look at what's happening in the UK, what's happening in the US, what's happening in Brazil is just that it completely breaks my heart. And uh, I just, you know, send love to everyone who's there and whatever we can do to try to bring everyone along and not treat this as a New Zealand versus yeah. you know, US yeah. or UK, then yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I love what you said on Twitter. You've, I've written a, wrote a quote here. COVID doesn't give a shit who it infects. But um, the, the whole thing about be, being turbocharged by systemic racism, classism, individualism, like that whole, you know, I'm going to do this thing and you can do that thing. And the, I, I know, you know, it, it's brought out all those conversations about healthcare, about in, inequity, about race about it. so many conversations my brain is so full at the minute I have to turn off sometimes but those conversations that are just being pushed and the anger around that my friends in the UK are so angry um, and don't know where to direct that stuff just don't know where to put it so it ends up going on it ends up being directed at somebody who they actually really care about when yeah. it, that's not where it should be <clears throat> yeah and and you know we talked about um sitting with the shit like that's part of the shit we have to sit with right is yes. that we're going to feel anger we're going to feel grief we're going to feel rage we're going to feel powerlessness you know all of those things are likely to arise and our ability to go oh that is what i'm feeling right now and yeah. oh i let me let me sit with this for a minute so i don't take it out on my partner or oh i just took it out on my partner let me sit with that for a minute so i can circle back and apologize and try again right you know understanding we're going to be fumbling every day with this stuff and, and messing it up and, and having to circle back. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. So as, as in your mind, you know, this is a massive question, but as sectors, what can we do now moving forward to take this experience, learn from it um, and look at what's going on in this country? What, what can we do as sectors? Yeah. So a couple of things. One is, you know, I'll share with you what happened with my company when the pandemic first started emerging. Um, so this is BOMA New Zealand. <clears throat> and there's one side of the narrative that is that my job at BOMA New Zealand is to physically convene people. We run events, we have training programs, we basically invite people to our parties and hope they show up. And, uh, you know, here comes coronavirus, and it's just become literally illegal for me to do my job. So that's super awkward. What are we going to do? Um, and so, you know, from from that from that angle, it was like, oh, wow, this is really you know, this is, this is terrible for us, or we're going to have to shut the company. But we also looked at it from the other angle, which is that our job is not actually to physically convene people at all. Our job is to help people navigate disruption and think differently about the world we have and the world we want and who we are and who we want to be. And seen through that lens, our work is as relevant now as it has ever been. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm sure like me, you have probably been in, um, infinite 
vision, mission, purpose, strategy meetings where you just want to stick a fork in your eye and you're like, this is never going to relate to anything that we actually do on the ground and why it's so pointless. Um, take me now. Um, and this was the moment where I was like, oh, actually, like here is a very tangible moment to come back to purpose. When we think about, okay, the way we give effect to that has to transform radically but when we think about what direction do we transform in, coming back to purpose is what gave us some, some scaffolding for that, some direction for that, some guidance for that. And I've seen that you know, from so many organizations that are kind of expressing that creativity and going, okay, we can't deliver, you know, we can't deliver our tourism experience. What are we gonna do instead? Oh, we're gonna get all the tourism operators together. Someone messaged me this morning, do Queens High Tea, where you know we're we're basically coming under one one umbrella. We're we're rethinking um, competition and collaboration, we're rethinking how we connect with our customers. Um, and all of those things, I think, if seen through a lens of purpose, become um, become much more, they 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 make a lot more sense and they resonate with people a whole lot more. Totally. And I think uh, working in the social sector, like we've kind of, it's taken us this long to even things like, you know, we're not driving for two hours to go to a meeting and having a Zoom meet. Like, I'm like, why have, why have we not done this before people? They're like, whoa, this is amazing. You know, yeah. whilst, whilst going, Carol, can you turn your volume, can mute off? Where, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Edit clothes. But the, we, um, oh. So, so the, so the dare to lead program is, um, uh, typically it's a face-to-face -face program that we run over two full days. Um, we just ran our first one as a virtual program and we did it two hours a day over eight days. So it was four days a week for two weeks. And by like halfway through, we were like, this is awesome. Like this is, it's great. And the, platform worked really well and the engagement was super high and we got the feedback now for the program and the feedback is among the highest we've gotten for any of our programs so you know we were able to deliver that experience for folks and in a place where people felt safe because they were in their own environment yeah. and they could do a two-hour chunk and then go away and reflect on it and then come back the next day so we're excited about the opportunities here we think there's some real advantages it is massively and what we found with doing programs say people are coming through courts to do programs like non-violence programs and whatever adults are absolutely loving the whole foot call thing because they're in their own space they feel safe they it's really short segments whereas the difference between them and children and young people children and young people absolutely want to be in that room with you yeah. they absolutely do they want to they want to sit at the side of you they don't want to look at you they don't want that you know yeah. um, they our, our to poor six-year-old has been on you know 45 minute zoom calls where he basically just has to stay muted for oh 44 my minutes and he, <laughs> i walk into the kitchen and he's sitting there on the zoom call and he looks at me he's like this is so boring <laughs> Yeah, terrible. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, <laughs> completely. Um, so uh, are you ready for your quick fire round? Sure. Um, exponential or unprecedented? Which is your favorite? <laughs> um, I think having worked so much with exponentials gave me a bit of an advantage in understanding why COVID was such a big deal before it was such a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say either of those are my favorite, but I if think I never I, hear those words again, it'll be. Uh, yeah. Either. Can I say neither? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Vegemite or Marmite? Neither. Oh, you're a disgrace. Um, were you the type of girl who did your homework at the start of the school holidays or at two o'clock in the morning before? 
If I did it, it was two o'clock the morning before. There's so many of you. There's hardly any of me. I did it first day. Get it done. I'm envious of you. (laughs) Um, Guilty music pleasure. Brittany. Oh, God, I love you even more. Or no, show tunes. Show tunes. Show tunes. Amazing. Uh, Is there a country that you would transport yourself to right now? If this whole nightmare wasn't occurring? This one. I love it here so much. This is my Tudunga YY. I love it. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Both. You're allowed to say that. They're very different. Um, Last meal ever? What would you have? Uh, Anything cooked by my partner. Oh. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, Do you have an organized sock drawer? I do not. Um, we're I, a household that does the laundry. I love like it. if the laundry gets done and then maybe it's a week before it gets folded and then it's oh, another yeah, week no. before it gets actually put away. Thrown in the corner. <laughs> totally. Um, hot bath or hot shower? Bath. Uh, favorite hot beverage? Tea. Do you have a favorite New Zealand? Almond milk. Almond. Uh, do you have a favorite New Zealand biscuit? I do not. <laughs> I do not. Um, and something that you've been listening to or watching that you'd like to recommend when you do have some downtime Kyla please yeah oh I I mean I watch stuff we just started um we just started on uh right at the beginning of Homeland which I know I'm like 10 years late to the party um we are watching we're we're watching two super dumb shows I'm watching two super dumb shows one of them is called Travelers and the other is called Lucifer they're so dumb and they're terrible. So if you really just do not want to think in any way and just want to watch and say, this is the dumbest thing I've ever watched, watch those shows. Um, and then recently I really enjoyed, not dumb, um, The Politician, which combines my love of show tunes. <laughs> <laughs> it's with a winner for Netflix. all. It is, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've been watching Shit's Creek because it's delightful um, and it's kind to everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it's totally random and everyone's falling in love with it. So awesome. Uh, Kyla Colvin, what are you going to go and do right now? I'm going to go back to work. That's just my life. Emails, emails, team meeting. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, We will speak to you very soon. Lovely to chat. Stay well. Khaki day.